I would spend money so fast. It was almost like I was living in an alternate dimension. Like my mind would leave my body and just go on autopilot. Then I would come home, look at the hundreds of dollars of stuff I bought and sink into a pit of depression, realizing I had just spent a lot of money that I actually really, 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 really needed. Hey there, I'm Renee, a former shopping addict turned minimalist mindset guru. In three years, I went from totally broke and burnt out to debt-free minimalist. Learning to simplify every area of my life, both inside and out, saved my marriage, gave me the time back to live my life how I wanted to, and allowed me to love myself like never before. Looking back, the only thing I wish I had had was a friend to share the journey with me. That is my hope for the Unstuffed Podcast. This is a place where you can shake off the need to people please and show up as your authentic self, even if you're still wearing yesterday's sweatpants. Think of this as a standing coffee date with an old friend whose only job is to hear you out, hype you up, remind you that you are already enough and doesn't mind if your house is a mess. Let's keep this simple. Life is complicated enough. Welcome to the Unstuffed Podcast. This is Renee. Welcome back to the Unstuffed Podcast. I'm so thankful that you're here. And before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to take a second to share a review with you. I absolutely love hearing your guys' reviews. So if you are a longtime listener of the podcast, I would love it if you would take a second to leave a review so that I can read it and so that I can read it on air for all of you guys to hear. Today's review is from Debbie. It says, so glad I found this podcast. The content is so relatable. Renee talks like she's a longtime friend. Love it. This makes me so happy because she talks like she's a longtime friend (laughs) is probably something I've struggled with most of my life. I always felt like I was too open or too sharing. Um, My mom called it diarrhea mouth. Like she said she had it. She didn't call me that or anything. Um, But that, you know, I always felt this idea that I had to be more polished or more put together. And, oh, sometimes I fall back into that belief and I hate it. So, uh, this comment really is awesome to hear. Thank you so much for taking the time to write that out, Debbie. Okay. I was recently listening to the audio book of breaking the habit of being ourselves, breaking the habit of being yourself. I think I might've written that title wrong, but it's by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he got on the topic of vices Now, of course, being a practicing minimalist, this is always a topic that piques my interest because vices are something that I talk about specifically in my shopping rehab course and is something I get asked about a lot. Taking the time to uncover our vices, because as weird as it sounds, we sometimes don't even realize that we have them. For a good portion of our lives, most of us are just showing up on autopilot, just kind of doing whatever feels fun or enjoyable in the moment and not taking the time to notice when our possessions or our habits are beginning to possess us. So in this book, he talks about how a lot of times people will not shake free from their vices or their habits until some traumatic event causes them to shake free. This is similar to a previous podcast I shared where I talked about the results I got after polling a group of minimalists on what it was that caused them to begin practicing minimalism. This is episode nine of the podcast if you want to go back and take a listen. Otherwise, I'm just going to quickly sum it up here. 
A good portion of the people that I asked didn't just decide to start simplifying their lives. Some did, but for the most part, they didn't just wake up and go, you know, I don't need so much stuff. Most of them decided on minimalism after a tragedy, like a natural disaster, the loss of a loved one, or fleeing from a toxic relationship with only what they could carry. This holds true for me as well. Although it was more of a string of consistent tragedies slash awakenings that helped lift the veil from my eyes and made me realize that in the grand scheme of my life, my stuff, my possessions weren't all that important. And to really send the message home, I also had to come face to face with the fact that I had repeatedly kept trying to improve my life or my happiness through stuff. And I finally had to face the fact that it wasn't working. It had never worked. All I had were vices, things in my life that brought me temporary distraction from whatever unhappiness was plaguing me at the moment. And at the core of all of our vices, this is generally what we will find an attempt to cover up a deep-seated unhappiness that we didn't want to face. So in today's episode, I want to share with you how you can start to uncover your vices and how to work toward uncovering what problems are really lying beneath them and why you stuck with the certain vices that you did for so long. So what is a vice? A vice First of all, I'm not going to be like deep diving into the scientific psychological side of things because that's just really not my style. There are most definitely neurons that fire in our brain when we continually go back to our vices, but my brain is just not designed to retain that information and put it back together in a cohesive scientific style sentence. So bear with me. Um, Ultimately, it's this. We learn that some external factor temporarily improves the state of our mind. So we learn that something makes us feel better. You know, we eat a bag of chips, we feel a little bit better. We, we have some chocolate, we feel better. We buy clothes, we feel better. Our bodies get a rush of endorphins or joy from this vice, and then they learn to keep coming back to it because more than anything, our brains seek consistency and patterns. What is actually totally bananas is that even though I just said we get a rush of joy, not all of us will turn to vices that bring joy. We might turn to ones that bring chaos or anger because this ultimately helps feed that consistency that our brains seek. For example, oftentimes people who grew up in chaotic environments where the rug was always being pulled out from under them, hello, that's me, (laughs) or they learn to live in survival mode. These might be the people who are always running late, who are saving projects for the last minute, or who or who consistently need something to complain or stress about. That was my choice. They have adapted to needing that stress, that panic, that consistency. Chances are you have heard about or know someone who continually goes into the same old toxic relationship. New person, same toxicity. And even though nothing good is coming from this, this might still be considered a vice. This is a vice for them. So for the sake of getting to the bottom of your vices, take the time to ask yourself what it is that you consistently turn to because it offers a familiar result. For me, my biggest one was shopping. I would spend money so fast. It was almost like I was living in an alternate dimension. Like my mind would leave my body and just go on autopilot. Then I would come home, 
look at the hundreds of dollars of stuff I bought and sink into a pit of depression realizing I had just spent a lot of money that I actually really, 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 really needed. This shopping addiction conveniently peaked after I stopped seeing my dad and my grandparents as much and perfectly coincided with me starting my first job, therefore getting my first paychecks, which ultimately created a habit and routine that I would have to spend a lot of time and effort breaking. So why shopping? Why this vice? Because that was how I learned to form connection and love with people in my life. My grandma would take me shopping. We would comb the aisles holding hands and she would buy me whatever I wanted. And it wasn't even about the stuff. It was really about this feeling of being spoiled, of being pampered, of being loved on. And my mom usually took me shopping when she was in a good mood at a high point. Since she struggled with depression on and off most of my life, I loved being around her when she was in these high moods. My brain learned very quickly that shopping brought variety connection, and a sense of significance when I would wear a new shirt and get a compliment on it the next day at school. Because you see, I've talked about this before, and I'll continue to talk about it again because it's so simple and so helpful to know that we all have four basic human needs that we will meet. We will meet them, whether it's unhealthy ways or healthy ways. Those four basic human needs are consistency, inconsistency, importance, and love or connection. And when we meet three of these four needs with one thing, we have ourselves a vice, even if it's an unhealthy way. So I will keep diving into that and explain more. Shopping met my need for consistency in that I knew that this strategy worked to elevate my mood, inconsistency because I could buy something new every single time. And it gave me that sense of importance for me being able to talk about or share my new items. And I got the love and connection from shopping by going with my family or my friends. Or even if I went by myself, but was able to get that compliment on a purchase item, I would feel loved or connected to somebody, right? Now I could take my vice even deeper and say that shoes specifically were the vice for me an additional one, a deeper one. I did some digging into why shoes specifically were so important to me. And it really went back to being a kid and wanting to be like the grownups who were wearing high heels. When my mom bought me high heels, I mean like one inch heels, I sounded more important going down the halls at school. Other kids would peek over their shoulders to see who was walking behind them. I got compliments on my new shoes. And of course, this made me feel important. This kind of reminds me of that thing they say, you know, like dress for the job you want. Dress to feel confident. And that is so great. That's so important. Putting on a pair of heels can still make me feel confident. But the thing is, I got jumbled up somewhere in between from recognizing that it just made me feel a little bit more confident versus like me thinking I need these shoes to be confident or to be a part person who is worth being respected or looked at, you know, that kind of thing. Without realizing it, this led me to obsess over high heels as an adult woman. Heels make me important. Heels make people stand up and take notice of me. Now tell me, why would I feel like I needed heels to get this kind of recognition and attention? Why is it that you're turning to your vices to give you a sense of feeling of connection, of love or importance? Because ultimately, I didn't believe and you don't believe what you are capable of doing on your own. Because there are two other human needs that we all crave, but many of us will never actually meet them. Number one, the need for contribution 
And number two, the need for expansion. Hey, I want to let you in on a little secret. I am making a full-time income from home and it is due in large part to TikTok. I know TikTok has this bad rep of being this place where there's dancing videos and all of this silly stuff, but the truth is there is so much business happening on TikTok and there is so much potential. It is insane. Part of my minimalist journey was this desire to create a more slow-lived life. I loved the idea of working for myself and doing work that actually felt like it mattered. And believe it or not, TikTok has been one of the biggest gateways in allowing me to do all of those things. And of course, I want to help you figure out how it can work for you too. I am hosting a totally free TikTok training starting in September and I would love for you to join. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes to sign up. We want to grow. We want to contribute to the world at large. We want to internally become new people, but doing those things take risk. It requires leaving our comfort zone and our vices behind. Just about every person I have ever had a deep enough conversation with longs to contribute to the world at large. They want to help other people. I bet you want to help other people. They want to do something that matters. You want to do something that matters. But just like I did, instead of taking the time to figure out what exactly that is or how you want to show up for the world, we find little vices like high-heeled shoes to give us a false sense of significance. If this calls to you, if you know you are someone who longs to truly do more with your time on this earth, then it is time to call out your vices. When you are faced with a challenge or something that might expand you as a person, what do you fall back on instead? For example, say you meet a healthy, respectful person who wants to date you, and instead of going out with them, you open up a box of old love letters so you can sit in your puddle of depression and sadness moping over your ex. P.S. Our own depression and sadness gives us that sense of connection and love and significance. We feel attached to our pain and when we cry for ourselves or feel sorry for ourselves, we falsely meet that need for love and connection. So keep that in mind. Now it's okay. I would be lying if I said I hadn't done something along these lines at some point in my life. Oh my gosh, I think I was doing it yesterday. But the thing is, it's important to go, oh shit, I'm using this vice as a way to stop myself from actually growing. So do you turn to things like TV, porn, alcohol, running, cleaning, or getting your hair dyed over and over again? All of these are vices because they are things that are outside of ourselves that distract us from doing the real internal work that we need to grow and expand as human beings. Even when I realized I was using stuff and shopping as a means to distract myself from doing the real work, I turned so much toward decluttering as a way to continue to distract myself from it. If I would have a bad day, I would declutter. Then I got to a point where there really wasn't anything left for me to get rid of. And then, then I had to start facing what I was hiding from internally. And I have grown to love facing it. All because each time I allow myself to sit with those negative, shitty emotions that I would have previously just covered up with a vice, I am able to work through it and come out the other side feeling lighter and more free. So how do you do that, right? 
Here is all it really takes to begin to know yourself and what your vices have been covering up. Get a notebook. Recognize your energy shifts. Acknowledge your desire for advice and ask yourself what it is you're trying to distract yourself from. And then ask yourself why this is happening and where it came from. Not so that you can start placing blame, but just so that you know where it popped up. Like me with shoes and shopping. Use that notebook to dive in. You'd be surprised what your hand starts writing out when you start asking yourself questions. And sometimes talking out loud can be helpful because some of us are auditory learners. I definitely am. You will most definitely feel resistance in diving into your inner self, but I promise you, this is the only way to really shake free from the external vices that we cling to. It's to find out what it is we are seeking internally and what we are using to block ourselves from going after what it is that we really want. But how do you even begin to let go of the vices? Real talk. Because I won't pretend that some of us will have a tougher time with addiction than the rest of us. We are all wired differently and some people are wired more for addiction than others. However, the last thing that will help you kick a vice is by saying to yourself, I have an addictive personality, so there's just no hope. I think I'm wired for vices. I just can't help it. This is simply a form of an excuse. Something more along the lines of, I know this will not be easy and I will take some time to adapt to it, but I am committed to changing and stepping into being the person I know I want to be. I might not be totally free, but I won't be stuck right where I am. Start with what you believe you're capable of. If you want to be healthier or stronger or a fitness model, but are currently 100 pounds heavier than you want to be, and the idea of losing 100 pounds feels overwhelming or impossible, then do not focus on that. Are you capable of walking 20 minutes a day? Commit to that then. This is what I call half-assing goals. Just teeny tiny, minimal goals that feel doable. Are you capable of eating one less piece of pizza than you normally do? Then commit to that. For me, I wasn't sure I would be able to stop shopping. So I stopped bringing cards with me to the store. No credit cards came with me. If other people went into the store, I would sit outside. Because I couldn't say, I'll never shop again. But I could say, I can leave my cards at home and I can wait on a bench outside. Those were two things I could do. And also, those things were still difficult. <laughs> there would be times that I was tempted to give them my credit card number because I had it memorized and sitting on the bench outside felt like a crime against my personality. But I stuck with it and now... Honestly, I could walk into a store with eight grand in my pocket and walk out without spending a dime unless I went in because there was something I actually needed. Focus more on what you want than where you were. We could spend the rest of our lives staying stuck where we are or focusing on who we are or who we used to be or the things that we've done wrong. The one thing that will help you the most with shifting away from your vices and into your bigger state of existence is keeping your sights focused on that image of you, of who you want to be. Read books that inspire you. Watch movies about people who have done what you did. Consume podcasts. Follow people on social media who have proven what you want is possible. And then cheer them on. Celebrate this. Allow yourself to Feel the emotions of having these things. When you celebrate with them, you're celebrating for yourself, for your future self. 
in doing this, you remind yourself during the times of struggle that you have a bigger call and you are getting and working toward it. Lately, I have been focused on a trip that I want to take. When I think about going out to eat or updating our house, I remind myself about that trip. I envision it in my mind. I think about how fun it will be to take it. And then I realize that all of those other things really don't matter anymore. I don't care about going out to eat as much. In fact, they don't even matter to me right now. Sure, I'll still go out to eat sometimes. I'm not saying you'll never go out to eat. I still want to update my house. Not saying you have to live in shambles in order to get what you want. But right now, my sights are set on bigger picture things that matter more to me at this current moment in my life. In short, kicking a bad vice is done by focusing on a big calling, a deeper meaning, and at first, you will have to intentionally put a lot of energy into that focus. But eventually, I promise, your internal calling can become second nature, and what were once your vices will be a thing of the past. Thank you so much for hanging out with me on the Unstuffed podcast today. And don't think that the party ends here. You can always check the show notes for the latest goodies and freebies that are always available to you. And don't forget, I love hearing from you guys. If you are enjoying the Unstuffed podcast, it would mean so much to me if you would take the time to leave a review so that I can hear from you too. Until next time, take a deep breath, let go of anything that has been slowing you down, and I will see you here next week.